Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on resurrection, finding us. So we've been in a series the last few weeks called Crossroads. The the choices that the cross presents. Because of the cross, there are many choices that are to be made. And we spent the last couple of weeks talking about choosing to remain and to enter, enter and remain in rest. Thus, the love seat is here. And so we've been invited to be co-seated with Christ, right? And so what more appropriate seat to sit in with him than a love seat? Because it is a seat of love, right? And the only reason we have an invitation is because of love. Love put on flesh and walked among us, right? Love went to the cross and took all of our guilt and shame. Love rose again and invited us to sit with him. And so we're invited to sit in this place of rest. And today I want to conclude this series, and I don't always give titles, but I'm going to today. Don't worry resurrection will find you. Don't worry, resurrection will find you. So when you're sitting at these crossroads and we've talked about choices and when you begin to get overwhelmed with the choices of life, I just want to tell you today, don't worry. Do you know God was more concerned with you not worrying than he was with you making right choices? Do you know there's so many more more scriptures that talk about uh, how he wants us to feel in our emotions and not to be in fear and not to be in dread and not to be in torment than there are directives of specific things that he wants you to do? Fear not is just all throughout scripture. And so he wants you not to be in fear. So I tell you today, fear not. Don't worry. Resurrection will find you. If you've got your Bibles today or your phones or your computers or your tablets, if you'll turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. This is good. This is good today. Very appropriate passage today. Everybody in the country are probably reading it today. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. You know who that is? John, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him, and he entered the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. There's so many people that try to add value to this linen cloth and take away value to this linen cloth. Let me help you with something. If the Bible says specifically that he acknowledged that the linen cloth was folded up and placed neatly by itself, I promise you it's intentional. (laughs) This isn't some fiction writing that's trying to add some sensationalism to the story. If it's there, there's a reason, all right? And it's awesome. We've talked, I don't have time to go there. Wanted to chase a little rabbit, can't do it. About Peter and John running together and the different generations running together and how beautiful it is in this house. That we've got young people running and seeing things, but having giving honor to the older generation and saying, hey, will you run with me and will you even go in and partake of that before I even get to? Come on. It's a beautiful thing in this house, what's going on. 
So the disciple, the other disciple who had first come to the tomb, then also entered, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary, verse 11, but Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stood and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She's like, wait a minute, what? How would you know my name? (laughs) Mary, she turned and said to him, in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. Mary's standing outside the tomb where she was seeking Jesus, but she did not find him. Everybody just needs to take a deep breath. All of your seeking could have never found him. All of your effort could have never found him unless he chooses to find you and reveal himself to you. Don't worry, resurrection will find you in your disillusionment, in your wondering what's really going on here, in your, I thought it was going to be this way, and now it's ended up this way, and now I'm standing here in a weeping mess. I don't know what to do next. I'm at a crossroads. What do I do? Resurrection is going to show up and call your name. And you're going to know nothing has ever called my name like my name just got called. Nothing has ever known me the way that that voice that just said my name has to know me. See, he just said her name, but you got to know he formed her from dust. The one that formed her and made her, when he says your name, he says it different than anybody else says your name. When he says your name, it calls to everything, every place, every part, everything inside of you that he placed in you. He's not just saying some proper name. He's calling out all the destiny, all the purpose, all the intentionality, everything that he placed in you just by saying your name. And it's at the end of all your seeking and you came up short, yet he finds you. Let no man boast that somehow he found God. He found you. You were groping around in the darkness. You had no idea which way to turn. Some of you may still be in the darkness. And this isn't popular preaching in a crowd that wants to condemn everybody. But you know what I say? If you're groping in the darkness today, I'm not going to tell you a bunch of stuff about you might die tonight and you might all this and you better get it straight. I'm not going to do any of that. You know what I'm going to do to you? I'm going to do to you what Jesus did to Peter. I'm going to say, don't let your heart be troubled. If I get you seeking something because you think you have to out of some desperation, and if you don't, you're going to get end up with some punishment, then you're never going to find something at the end of that seeking. But if I can let you know and tell you the truth that there's a God that loves you and would do anything for you, and he's coming after you, just maybe you'll turn your heart to him and receive him. I was thinking about that today, this morning. 
getting ready. Life and death. The power of life and death is in the tongue. What does that mean when we look at someone and say, you may die tonight? I ain't saying that to nobody. You know what I want to say to people? You're going to live long and you're going to serve God all your days. And you're going to know him. And I don't care where you are right now. And I don't care what you think right now. And I don't care how confused you are right now. And I don't, think, I don't care if you think you hate him. He's a big boy. He can handle it. You can scream. You can yell. You can punch. You can fight. But he's still coming for you. Because he loves you with a never-ending love. And his heart breaks for you. And he bankrupt all of heaven to get you. He found you a priceless prize in the middle of a field. And he sold all that he had to purchase you. And he will have his reward. And it will be you resting in his love and his presence. It will be you sitting in a seat where he can lavish on you the riches of the kingdom for all eternity. That's what it'll be. The first person resurrection found in scripture is Mary. John 20, verse 19. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. He said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejected, rejoiced, sorry, rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So here's the disciples. They've ran and they've hid in a room and locked the door. You have no idea what's going on in my life. You have no idea why I'm so afraid. You don't know my story. You don't know my situation. You don't know any of that stuff. No, I don't. And so whatever you're locked up in, I'm just telling you today, resurrection is coming. Resurrection will come through the wall. Resurrection will knock down the door. Resurrection will move a mountain. There's no mountain he won't climb up. There's no wall he won't kick down. There's no shadow that you're hiding in thinking that it's dark and it's just a shadow of your situation and your circumstance. He will come and he will light up your situation. He goes and sees Mary. If he just wanted Mary to have information, the angels could have gave Mary information. He didn't want Mary to have information. He wanted Mary to have revelation that he's alive and well. See, we're too busy trying to give everybody information. We need to be giving them revelation. We don't need to be telling people about God. We need to be showing people God. This is what he looks like. This is what he sounds like. This is what he smells like. Your waiter at whatever restaurant. How can I not think of a restaurant name? That's so easy. Because I'm hungry and I thought of 12 and I couldn't get one of them to come out. I've started something new. I can't say I've done this all my life. I did it in a season. I saw someone do it, and I felt compelled to do it, and I started doing it, and I just quit. In the last few weeks, it just prompted my heart again. Just one time presented itself to me, and I did it again, and then I got so hooked, and I remembered how amazing it is that now I'm going to do it every time again. But if you go eat, and your waiter or waitress comes up to your table... Dude, you're paying them to listen to you. And I hope you're paying them really well to listen to you. 
Don't do anything I'm about to say if you tip less than 20%. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't tell him. Don't even mention his name. Don't say anything about being a follower of him. Don't do any of that. We don't need any more of that, okay? Because we are, we are lenders and not borrowers. We are the head and not the tail. Lack is never our problem. We're the first and not the last. We should be leading the charge on giving and being generous. So we should tip well. So I go in the restaurant, and my waitress or waiter comes up to the table, and this is just real simple. Hey, we're going to pray over our food in just a minute. I, I get there, and I, hey, what's your name? Tell me. We, I say, hey, we're getting ready to pray over our food. No big deal. You got something that we could pray for while we pray? To this day, I've never, I used to do it all the time, I've never had anybody not tell me something. Not one time. And you know what else? Then I take the next step. Well, hey, we're getting ready to do it right now. Can you just stay right here? <laughs> just disarming. Hey, you stay right here just a minute. We'll do it right now. You can, we can, we'll do it right now. I know you're busy. You got, I know you're busy. I know you all to do. Can we just do it real quick? I promise I won't use any King James language. I won't do any of that stuff. <laughs> just super quick, right? And then I go to the next step. You mind if I just put my hand on your arm? Come on. Never had anybody tell me no. Not one time. This is not in my notes, man. I got to get back. One time, Johanna and I were at a restaurant. We did this. The lady had a serious financial need. She was praying for her husband to get this thing. I don't remember if it was a, I think it was a job or, or some commission or something. We pray with that lady. Fifteen minutes later, I'm trying to eat my steak. That lady comes over there crying. Said her husband just called her on the phone. Everything that she, we prayed for happened. And God moved dramatically in her life. And she gave all glory to God. And it cost me 30 seconds of inviting the kingdom of God into her situation. Because I'm supposed to be an ambassador of that kingdom. I'm supposed to take it and release it everywhere I go. And it changed her life. And not only did it change her situation, I guarantee you it changed her heart. And it set her on a course of faith that she's probably never turned back from. I used to do it just to waiters and waitresses. But then the other day I was standing in McAllister's and there was a line all the way out the door. So you definitely don't want to obey God when there's social pressure. <laughs> right? Lord, I'll do whatever you say as long as... I don't have any pressure from people. Well, <laughs> might as well find you a cave. <laughs> what happened to Elijah? <laughs> you know. McAllister's line up. We're sitting there. Never done it to somebody to register. Just like do a waitress. You kind of got their attention for a minute. You know, they're supposed to be talking to you. How you doing? I saw you the other day. Yeah, you'll always see me here or my other job. I work two jobs. This lady's 60 years old probably. I said, hey, I know there's a super long line. There's a lot of people coming here. Can I pray for you, like, super quick, 15 seconds? <laughs> she said, yeah, go ahead. Name was Carmen. I said, Lord, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to Carmen, that you'd make provision for her, that she would see your hand moving in her life, and that she would be able to walk in rest and not work two jobs. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know what happened to that story, but it's going to be cool when I find out. Come on. Come on. So, great time. That's what we should be doing. We should be finding people. Now is when we get into this part of the sermon where I start deciding what not to say because we're running out of time. Luke, chapter 24, Jesus is walking with a couple of gentlemen on the way to Emmaus. And these two gentlemen are distraught, and he says, what's going on? And they're like, where have you been, under a rock? You don't know what just happened? And he tells them, they tell him, and he just says, oh, well, wasn't that, like, supposed to happen? Wasn't that prophesied? Wasn't that in Scripture? Didn't he have to do all that, you know? Wasn't that the plan all along? They never realized who it was. They got where they were going. He sat down. He ate with them. He vanished. 
And they realized, did not our hearts burn in us? Resurrection found them in their disillusionment, in their frustration, in their confusion. Isn't it amazing how confused we get over plainly stated things? Yet he keeps showing up. I I don't like showing up anymore. When I tell somebody something very clear and they just keep not understanding it, I like to not talk to them anymore. (laughs) Don't you? I do. I'm just like not talking to them anymore. This is very frustrating. But he keeps showing up. How many times did he show up with his disciples? Guys, guys, guys. How long do we have to do this, right? But he keeps showing up. So how can I get up here today and say, you better figure it out. You need to know what's going on. You need to make all the right choices. When I think what he kept saying was, hey, guys, no matter what choice you make, I'm going to keep showing up, and you're going to get it right. And it's going to work out for your good and for my glory because I'm going to keep showing up. When you quit showing up, I'm going to keep showing up. Guys, this is about Jesus. This is about the cross he paid, the price he paid, the cross he bore, the grave he overcome, and the life he now is in and inviting us to join him in it. He finds them. It didn't just start in the New Testament. In the garden. Nolan talked about it today. I thought you might preach my sermon and I was going to tell him to cut your sound off. (laughs) Just Actually, I have an iPad up here. I could actually adjust it myself. So if you ever hear anybody mute it out, it's like I'm done with them. <laughs> My time. Quit singing. <laughs> Three times is enough. <laughs> Sometimes three times you're just getting warmed up, guys. That's just the reality, okay? If you don't want to sing it a fourth time, sit down. Freedom in the house of God. Just sit down. It's all right. Just let us sing it. Let us sing it and you laugh at us. That's okay. It's no big deal. God it takes them four times. I got it the first time. What's wrong with them? That's okay. It's okay. Some of us are slower than others. It's all right. I'm a four-time guy. Four, you know, I got to hear the first eight times, you know. I was ready to hear Ain't No Grave one more time. Just one more time and I get it, you know. We saw it in the garden. They made a bad choice. Dun, 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 dun. Made a bad choice. Death. And then we see God come into the garden. I don't know what version came into the garden. Do you? No, you don't. In the beginning was God, right? was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Word put on flesh and walked among us, right? That's Jesus, right? So it's this triune being, distinct yet the same. And so we have God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, in some combination come into the garden and say, where are you? But see, since God's not limited by time or space... No, and this is going to go good, okay? You're going to learn two things. The thing you already got, and then put this with it, okay? So he crushes the head. He's a headless serpent, right? So he comes in the garden, and while he's saying, where are you? He's simultaneous saying, I got you on the cross. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? The nails. Simultaneous. I got you. You just took that tree. Where are you? I got you. Where are you? Back. Whip. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? The crown of thorns on his head. Where are you? Where are you? The spear in his side. 
simultaneous because he's not limited by time or space. He's in both moments at the same time. And when he's looking for you, he's got all of resurrection in his hand available to you. When he comes looking for you, he's got all you need. Can you just see him as we walk through the Old Testament? Not in chronological order, but I was just thinking about that Old Testament today, this morning. Can you just see Isaac laying on the altar? Abraham with the knife in his hand. Here comes Jesus, the ram, up the backside of the mountain. Where you at, Isaac? Where you at, Isaac? I got you, Isaac. I'm coming, Isaac. That's me, Isaac. That's mine. That's mine. I'm coming to take that from you. I'm coming to get that. You just see him put this horn in a thicket, starting to cry out, so Abraham hears him. Over here, Abraham. I got you, Isaac. Abraham, don't worry, Isaac. Come on, I got you. Resurrection found Isaac at the point of death, and his father raised him up and took the ram. You just see Moses on the backside of the desert, resurrection, finding him through a burning bush and having him lead a whole other people into resurrection life, freedom and deliverance. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're thrown into a fiery furnace, and the king says, Nebuchadnezzar says, did we not throw three men into the fire? But I see a fourth man, and it looks like the Son of God. How in the world would Nebuchadnezzar know what the Son of God looks like? Revelation. Because the same God that can say your name and just in your name tell you everything about yourself can stand in front of you and you know everything about him. Nebuchadnezzar knew, whoa. Mm, What is this? Can you just see Daniel in the lion's den and resurrection just coming in and saying, Caesar Milan and them lines. (laughs) Calm submissive. Calm submissive. (laughs) Gideon in a cave threshing wheat. Resurrection goes in there and says, Why are you hiding? You're a mighty warrior. Come with me. We're going to bring this resurrection to a whole group of people. Resurrection found him. You just see Samson after he had messed up miserably, failed miserably, and he's standing tied to a pillar with his eyes plucked out, and they're mocking him and they're ridiculing him. And can you just see resurrection come into the room? Resurrected purpose, resurrected potential, resurrected intention. And he walks in and he just watches him walk up to Samson in his ear and say, It's not over. It's not over. We can still fulfill your purpose and your destiny. Samson just. Gets a little boy to put his hands up on the pillars. And he brings down the whole house. <laughs> and he killed more Philistines in his death than he ever did in his life. I just prophesy right now, those of you that think the good times, the best times are behind you, you are you have now disqualified. You are now for some reason past your prime. I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to do more in the time you have remaining than you've done in your entire life from birth till now. If you will just submit to the plans of God for your life and walk in resurrection, you're going to see 
purpose accomplished like you've never seen it before. I don't care what choices you've made. I don't care what you've done. Resurrection right now is in your ear. You hear it. Hey, he's telling the truth. He's telling the truth. You know that? I know he's weird. I know he's got issues. But right now, he's just telling you what I'm saying. I'm just using him like I use that donkey. Listen to him right now. He's telling you the truth. Right now, I believe right now. Can you just see it right now? Come on, those of you that think you've missed it right now, can you just see him just unveil a curtain and just give you a peek right now? Holy Spirit, will you just give some peeks right now? Will you just give some peeks right now? Will you just give some peeks? Close your eyes if you can't focus and close your eyes right now. He's just, he's just revealing. He's pulling back a curtain right now and he's giving you just a glimpse. So be it in Jesus' name. So be it in Jesus' name. He found a little shepherd boy out watching sheep. Took that little shepherd boy and brought resurrection to a whole group of people. He took a shepherd boy and let him be his mouthpiece to a group of people who sat there for 40 days in intimidation and fear. He said, guys, what's going on here? This is insane. I got a sling and I got a rock. What are y'all doing? Y'all don't know how this thing works? Have y'all never seen one of these? Huh? You know, there's no thing on the sling that says only works for giants under eight foot nine. It doesn't say that. Okay? Y'all don't see that spot on his head? Why wouldn't you just hit him right there with a rock? I don't, uh, what are we doing here? Because when he was faced with a lion, he was faced with a bear, that same resurrection showed up said, you can do this. So what's this Philistine? My goodness, his teeth ain't even as big as that lion I killed the other day. No problem. His dad didn't even call him in, the in from the field when it was time to anoint the king. You think he can't find you because some man hadn't found you? You think he don't see you because some man didn't see you or some woman didn't see you or some authority didn't see you right? You think God sees you wrong now? Don't worry. Don't worry. He knows you, and he'll find you. Can you see Rahab locked up in Jericho? says Jericho was so tightly locked up that none went in and none came out. And Rahab is in there. Can you just see resurrection and say, hey, that's my great, great, great grandma in there. I ain't having this. Joshua, let's go, boy, get over here. Y'all walk around that thing and watch this. Watch this. Walls fall. Rahab and all her family come out. Resurrection will find you right in the middle of your bondage, right in the middle of your captivity, right in the middle of your crazy, jacked-up life. He will find you, and he'll make it all fall away, and you'll walk out unscathed. Resurrection will find you Found Matthew collecting taxes. Found Peter out fishing. Found Zacchaeus up a tree. Found a lame man at the pool of Bethesda. 
found blind Bartimaeus on the road to Jerusalem. He found Jairus' daughter asleep on a couch. See, even the way we tell stories is wrong. If you've ever said that Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, that's not the way you tell a story. That's not lining up with truth. What did Jesus say? She's asleep. We got to learn to see things in the spirit and not be defined by what the world thinks. He didn't raise somebody's dead daughter. He woke her up from her sleep. He don't even acknowledge the natural realm. A woman caught in the act of adultery about to be stoned to death. You imagine the emotions of that moment? He found her. She didn't find him. He found her just in the nick of time. When all of the consequences were due of her bad choices. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. You don't understand, Michael. You don't know what I've done. This is just what I deserve. Now I have to live with it. Tell that to the woman who's about to get stoned. Jesus found her right in the nick of time. And every single stone that was supposed to be her consequence was dropped to the ground. Stones are falling out of the hands of your consequences. And God is setting you free. He is finding you. Don't be bound to a self-defined and a self-judged and a self-sentenced life of consequence. Be free in Jesus' name. Let resurrection come and be restored and renewed. The woman that had five husbands and the man she was with then wasn't her husband. You know what that's called? An adulterer. Who, by the way, didn't know how to worship. Didn't know the right way to do things. Didn't know church. Just is sick when people say, I need to get back in church. Why? You know how many things I did in this church? Oh, we don't want to talk about that? (laughs) You said that in church? What's the difference? Don't get back in church. Get back in love, and you'll want to go to church, maybe. Goodness gracious. He finds her at the well. Goes out of his way to have a conversation. Skips lunch. Skips lunch. You think your situation's so bad, you're going to inconvenience God. He'll skip lunch for you. Man, might be the silliest thing I ever said, but might be the most powerful thing I've ever said. I felt wind on that. He'll skip lunch for you. He'll change his agenda for you. That might mess with some of you if you got a Calvinistic bent, but he will change his agenda for you. His heart will be moved by you. He went in a graveyard, found a demoniac, chained up, naked and crazy. He found him. He found him. He didn't find him. Jesus found him. Disciples out in the middle of the ocean, in the sea, with a storm, and the boat rocking. Here come Jesus. He found them. Walking on the water, he found them. Listen, he's coming constantly. I can say that with assurance right now. And it is not negated by whatever you have in your mind that thinks I don't know.
your situation, so I can't say it in this particular moment for you. I can say it because he's always coming. Because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And it's that place with him in the garden of complete rest and complete intimacy and complete fellowship. That's what he came to do. And that's what he's always doing. It's perpetual. He came in the flesh. He ascended to the Father. Now he's sitting at the right hand making intercession. He's still got the same mission. He's still got the same purpose coming after you. Oh, my goodness, we got to go. It got contagious. Got contagious. Peter and John went and found him a lame man. The gate called Beautiful. Huh? It gets contagious. They went and found him somebody. Hey, man, this is fun. Freely we have received, now let's freely give. Let's go find somebody who needs a little resurrection. Peter got it so bad, he's walking down the right streets at the right time to put his shadow on the right people so they can get healed. We think this whole thing's a lottery. It ain't a stinking lottery. God is intentional, and he sent his son on purpose, and he was coming for you. You don't just get in because you got born in the right family. You just don't get in because your grandmother, your grandfather, or you had a saint somewhere in your lineage. He came for you, and if you were the only one here, he would have came for you just the same. He is intentional. He intentionally met every one of these people. He intentionally showed up. He's intentionally showing up for you. Amen. Always and forever. Never ending. We got to wrap up. In Luke 15, when the wayward son comes back home, The father says, he was once lost, but now he's found. Why he say that? He came to his senses on his own, right? And he decided to go back home. He had a plan of how he was going to get his dad to take him in, how, what he was going to say. His father didn't send out a search party. Why does it say he was found? Because it wasn't up to his son whether or not he came back home. The father had already loved him in a way that he couldn't stay away from. Jesus is talking to his disciples. I promise you we're closing right now. In John 6, verse 66... Now, you don't have to go right to the verse, but in John chapter 6, there's a lot of riffraff trying to follow Jesus. It causes a lot of dissension. He loves everybody, but he don't like people to come in and act like they're following him and trying to mess everybody up. He don't like that. He don't like that. He don't like leaders that claim to be following him because he's, you know, Paul said, follow me as I follow him. Imitate me as I imitate him. That's the kind of leaders Jesus wants. That's the kind of leaders the kingdom needs. Ones that don't have to worry about getting people to follow them, they turn around and follow him, and all of heaven is drawing everybody to them, and you'll just turn around and realize you're leading a bunch of people. But if I'm over here trying to manage everybody and manipulate everybody and control everybody, I end up not even going where I'm supposed to be going. So there was some riffraff, and Jesus decided to get rid of the riffraff. You know what he did to get rid of the riffraff? Told the truth. That happened. That'll get rid of a lot of them. <laughs> he said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. You know why he said that? Because they thought they had it, could figure it out on their own. He says, you got to go so humble 
that you would realize that you literally have to partake of my flesh and my blood to have any type of chance at life. Well, what? That would mean it would be completely and entirely and wholly about you, and we would no longer get to wear these cool badges on our cloaks. Exactly. And you know what happened? Many became offended. Give me just a few minutes, everybody. It's getting a little crazy in here. Many got offended and walked away. Many got offended and walked away. He turns to his disciples. He said, what about y'all? Where are y'all going? And they said, where else could we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Where else could we go? And I ask you the question, Dave, where are you going to go? Because wherever you go, I had so much more to dig into, but we see all throughout Scripture, where can you go that he won't find you? Where can you go where he's not going to keep bringing that? So it's like, why leave? You're going to come. <laughs> What's the point? They're saying, you have the words of life, and those words of life are going to compel you to come after us and keep telling us those words of life. So why leave? Why not just stay here, make it easier on both of us, keep pouring life into us? So today, the thing that made many offended and walk away, I want us to do as an act of surrender to draw near. I want us to eat his flesh and drink his blood today together. Our altar today, our response today to the word of God is to receive his flesh and his blood, his price that he paid A lot of you have been trying to find something in life. i got to do this. This takes a little bit of time, but i got to do this. Peter was called when he was out fishing. Okay? Just pure abandon. Come, I'll make you fishers of men. I don't have any parameters for that. I don't know what that looks like. It's just a yes. I'll figure it out what you're telling me to do later. That's what we got to have. Just a Yes. Guess what Peter did? He botched it. It was supposed to be pure and simple devotion to Christ and having his heart. Peter kept trying to do more. Peter kept trying to strive. If you're going to wash my feet, wash my whole body. Peter. Linda. Listen to me, Linda. What is, what is your major malfunction that you think you have to do everything over the top? Come on, listen to me right now. What is your major malfunction you think you got to do everything over the top? Why do you always have to jump higher? Why do you always have to run faster? Why do you always have to keep striving for some place of affirmation? Why do you have to do that, Peter? If you're going to the cross, I'm going to the cross. No, you're not. You're going to deny me three times. You're not going to take him. I'll cut your ear off. Peter. He tried a bunch of striving, and it ended in failure. To me, in my life, it's the most beautiful picture of the kingdom. He called him on a boat doing what he loved. And he said, I want you to do what you love in a different context. Did he? I want you to do what you love. I don't want you to forget what you love. I don't want you to change what you love. I don't want you to be, be a totally different. I don't want to change all your affection and try to make you love something you don't love. I want you to do what I put in you to love that you would have chosen even if I never showed up. I'm going to bring that into the kingdom, and I'm going to use it for your good and my glory. Just fish for men. But Peter thought he was a soldier. Peter thought he was the Messiah. 
Peter thought he was going to do everything Jesus did. Jesus, you don't die, no way. Get behind me, Satan. You're doing that thing again, Peter. So after all this failure, Jesus just wants to make sure he knows you're going to deny me three times. But you need to hear this, Peter. Peter, you really need to hear this. Don't let your heart be troubled. <laughs> Peter, you've not got this. Oh, do y'all see this? You've not got this the whole time I've been with you, Peter. That insatiable desire for affirmation, you've not got it the whole time. And if I can't make you get it right now, this time, when you deny me three times, it's going to be too far. It's going to be too much. You're not going to be over, able to overcome that guilt and that shame. So I've got to make it abundantly clear to you that I'm okay and I know you're going to fail. And I want you to hear me say, don't worry. Fear not. It's my job to make a place for you on the other side of your failure, not yours. Get it, Peter? Will you finally get it, Peter? Everything you thought you could do, you failed. Will you let me do something for you, Peter? And will you receive it? People in here today, will you let him do something for you? This Easter sermon, where there might be a lot of people that aren't walking with him, is not about you need to do something for God. The plea is, will you let him do something for you today? Peter, Peter and all of his disillusionment. I've even heard sermons, again, paint it the wrong way. I've preached sermons that paint it the wrong way. Peter, in disobedience and a rejection to the call, goes back fishing. That's not true. That's not true. Peter... Once everything he thought the call was, was stripped away. He said, all I know is, he found me on a boat. <laughs> all I know is he found me on a boat. So guys, I don't have all the answers to what's going on right now. I don't know, okay? I blew it. I messed up. I thought I'd be the one hanging on that cross with him, and I messed up. But all I know is he found me on a boat. And if he's looking for me again, I want to be where I, he knows where to find me. So I'm going fishing, guys. Anybody want to go with me? And maybe, maybe, maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day, maybe today's the day that he's going to find us and come and share a meal with us. Maybe we'll hear those beautiful words again. Didn't catch anything, did you? <laughs> Jesus knew Peter's heart. That's why the day he called him, he tried to teach him he could do nothing on his own. Can you just imagine? If y'all hear anything, y'all let me know. And I hear the call from the bank. Hey, y'all catch anything? I can just see Peter. I'll... <laughs> Says when he saw that it was him, immediately he jumped in the water. <laughs> he came. I knew that he would come. <laughs> He came! I knew that he would come! All I had to do was quit striving. All I had to do was return to my first love. 
when I didn't know anything else, I'll go back. I just go back to where we first met. How are we distributing? Can you pass communion from the end, guys? I don't know what you've been trying to do. Career, school, relationships, status, wealth, position, name. I don't know what you've been trying to do to find that place of fulfillment. But I'm telling you, he's here today. And he's inviting you to rest in what offends others. Because others want to strive and want to succeed. All you have to do in the kingdom is be like a child. And that's the hardest thing for some people to do. I was telling somebody the other day, a grown man, this relationship between us that we're developing right now is going to look like a father and a son. I don't run around wanting people to call me a name. I could care less. I am beginning to trust my father's heart and realize that's what I'm on the earth to be is a father. I should have picked up on that. I am learning that I don't have to be everybody's best bud. But there's some people that need a father. And I think God could use me. And so I told them that and little resistance to that. Because that's the hardest thing to do. Is just rest in being a son. And if you can't do that, you'll strive too hard. And you'll work too hard. Hardest thing to do is be a daughter. It's easier to work hard. It's easier to succeed in man's system than it is to rest in God's sometimes. That's what our culture says. Because all of hell is trying to keep you from resting in God's. But all of heaven. I talked to staff the other day. Those blades of grass out there, they work for the kingdom. All of heaven is leading you to a place of rest. Can you open this today? In 1 Corinthians 11, let me give a little instruction, guys. Just a little instruction. 1 Corinthians 11 talks about taking the body and the blood of Christ in an unworthy fashion. I believe we've abused that text. And we say that if someone has some unrepented sin or something in their body, they're going to take that and it's going to all of a sudden bring a curse on them. I believe that's a misinterpretation of that passage. I believe that unless we take it in a fully worthy, weighty manner, believing not these two things, but what they symbolize has the power to bring wholeness and completeness to our lives. If we take it in any manner less than that, if you don't believe the body of Christ and the price he paid for you has the power to bring full deliverance from the curse, then you are still in the curse. 
there's a curse, there's a plan, there's freedom. But if you can't buy in that this is the weight that brings the deliverance of the curse, then there is no escape from the curse. Are you with me? If you're in handcuffs and this is the key, but you say that's not the key to the handcuffs. Anybody ever had a conversation with somebody like that before? That's not the key. My kids, yes, it is. That's not the key. Yes, it is. That's not it, Dad. Yes, it is. And I finally, when they say, Dad, that's not it, I'm like, you're right. That's not it. That's not it. It's my striving that brings fulfillment. This is not it. It's my work that brings fulfillment. That's not it. It's my position that brings fulfillment or my title that brings fulfillment or my loving trophy wife that brings fulfillment or my studly husband that I just love to be around that meets all my emotional needs. That's my fulfillment. When you make those statements and when you take this in that way, then you reject the key. God doesn't have to enact any curse on you. It's just there by default if you reject this, the freedom from the curse. So today, can we lay aside every other thing, every other pretense, every other path of us thinking we're going to find him? or It's not him that we're looking for. It's the fulfillment that we're made to get from him, and so we look for it other places. But if you, this is the only place you'll find it is in him. So today, we take this in a weighty manner. Today, when we do this in remembrance of the price you paid for us, we do it in a manner that is holy, resolute, that all the power, all authority for every breakthrough, for every fulfillment, for every purpose, for every destiny in our life has been purchased and paid for. And by taking your body today, we receive your work and we forfeit ours. Will you take his body today? Lord, we thank you for your body broken for us. We thank you. We thank you for every stripe. Today we take your body in a worthy manner, believing that because of your body that was sacrificed for us, because of the stripes you bore for our healing, we believe right now that you give us the power to be healed in Jesus' name. Likewise, with his blood, you know that in the garden he said you're going to now have to sweat and work and labor. But Jesus, when facing the cross, sweated until his sweat turned to drops of blood. He let his sweat take the place of our sweat. He let his blood take the place of our blood. And we can now enter into his rest. And there's no striving in his love. So today as I take your body, Lord, your blood, I receive your rest. And I cease from striving on my own. I acknowledge there'll be no fulfillment outside of you. And I place my hope and my trust in you alone. In Jesus' name, will you drink the drink? Before you do anything with those cups, we have offering buckets. Can we pass those? We'd like to confiscate those as quickly as possible with our new carpet that you bought.
Prayer team, if you'll come up. We're getting ready to dismiss everyone, but prayer team, would you come up? Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.